This episode is brought to you by livingrelief.com, a Wolfpack-owned business that is your source for Delta-8, CBD, THCV, gummies, tinctures, chocolates, all North Carolina-based quality products that can help with sleep, anxiety, pain, and countless other medical benefits. Highly recommend checking these guys out. Their stuff is really good. And if you use code REDWHITE20, you get 20% off your first order. That's REDWHITE20. LivingRelief.com. Living, R-E-L-E-A-F.com. Thanks for listening. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves, apes that ain't fools Run through the night, playing with your life Going against the pack that's risking your life Alright folks, we are back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast I'm your host Evan, here with Will Will, it is Ryder Cup weekend And that we're here to talk about Woo! Yeah <laughs> America is up 2-1 to one at the moment yeah, but how about they break our hearts in the end? I don't know, Evan. I mean, I think I got my driver figured out, so maybe I'll be at the next one. Oh, I like it. It's club championship weekend this weekend for me as well, which how do you plan a club championship the weekend of the Ryder Cup and the weekend of the Clemson football game? And I know my club is just 90% state fans, and it's baffling to me that they let that happen. You know, you know why? Because uh, they thought we were going to win that Mississippi State game and get the seven o'clock, and um, <laughs> that's probably you true. know, like true that state fans, they had um, they were looking ahead, and uh, uh. you know, a little NC State uh, <laughs> golf club management stuff happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to play this call, Ed from LA. We need to get you. We need to get your call timing a little bit. We need to sync up a little bit better. Ed called us before the Furman game, so I'm going to play this because I wanted to talk about it. I thought it was a Clemson call, but it was Furman, so here we go. Hey, guys. Ed from L.A., now in Dallas-Fort Worth. Just wanted to call in, uh, give you a prediction on today's game. I really don't think that NC State is going to blow out Furman today. I think it's going to be a close game, like 28-10, 31-13. State will be only winning by a close margin at halftime. I don't think they'll be really into the game at all. I think the fans uh, probably won't be as well. Um, they better not overlook this team. Um, anyway, I think State won't pull away until the fourth quarter, and uh, it'll be garbage time. And, again, just don't expect much. I was there in 85 when uh, Furman came to Raleigh and beat NC State 42-20. to <laughs> And uh, the coach at Furman that year was Dick Sheridan. And those kids, they weren't recruited by ECC schools, but – they love football, and they love to play, and they have nothing to lose. They'll come to Raleigh ready to play. I hope State's coaches have got those guys ready to play. We'll see what happens. Talk to you all later. Eh, wrong. Well, Ed, you were wrong. <laughs> you were wrong, Ed. Uh, I mean, you know what? After the first quarter, he looked kind of right, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad he was wrong. Because I think a lot of people felt that way, like what was going to happen after the Mississippi State game. And this is what I had I told James Henderson earlier in the week, that 
this team was too good. There's too much talent in this team to lose to one of these games. Like IPS kept calling it a trap game, and I was like, y'all are ridiculous. Like this, there's there's still too much talent on this team for that for that game to be a trap game. I think they were were Mississippi State was an eye opener. They were ready for Furman. That was yeah. I didn't see any way that wasn't going to happen. Louisiana Tech now, would be like a, a a trap game in in my opinion. So there you go. That's that's the one that I would be concerned about. Uh, you know, FBS team that played Mississippi State closer than we did, and getting them the week after Clemson, regardless of what happens this week. You know, you get blown out. You know, is the team going to rally? They, is, if you lose close, is the team going to rally? If you win, are we going to be too high? Right. Right. So that's the that's the quote unquote trap game is what I'd be worried about. Look, I I have to hope that what we're seeing is last season part two where we did the same thing we went up to we got cocky in the first game we went and got served our lunch in the second game and then we were much more competitive you know afterwards i mean you know you could throw out the unc game but that was right after devin exploded um on the field so you know i i I don't think Mississippi State was an aberration or anything like that. I just think it was a, you need to clearly get things fixed, and now you have something to point to all season. Say, hey, remember when we walked in there and thought we were hot shit? You know? So, yep. uh, you know, I was watching that game via box score for Furman for quite some time before I realized I could watch the game in the app like an idiot. <laughs> um <laughs> So I have not gone back and rewatched it because, frankly, I don't think there's much validity uh, and worth time worth uh, doing so. But um, yeah, we had the game in control. I, I don't like seeing uh, Knight fumble again. Um, we, yeah. we we really need that trend to stop. It was great that it came back and immediately scored. Yada yada. But this is a game that you have to be flawless going into, in my opinion, to to win. Um, the turnover margin is going to be really important. So at least Leary is protecting the ball. Um, we'll see if this continues, but you know, all things considered, we weren't. I don't think we got injured in this game. We avoided Drake Thomas getting a really crazy um, eight seconds into the half um, targeting. Yeah, which yeah, boy, I was I was pretty displeased to see the starters in. Quite frankly, I I don't see the purpose of um, starting the half. <laughs> Uh, when you're up that much, um, but uh, maybe they wanted to see like adjustments or something, just see how they reacted coming out of halftime, maybe. Um, yeah, but I think they pulled the starters basically after that drive. Yeah, I think they did as well. And I, I don't, I I agree with you. I didn't go back and watch Farman. Just nothing to take away from being the crap out of a team like that. Uh, it's just. You don't know. I don't. I don't know if what translates over. So I didn't really go back and watch it. I, I watched a condensed version, and yeah, you know, I think whatever. what's interesting is, <clears throat> well, I guess we'll never know the answer to this, but I'm curious how much time goes into preparing for a game like Furman, um, where you know you should be very superior to your opponent, and you've got a big game coming up. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, based on what we saw, I assume we took you know full advantage and just practiced the whole week like we practiced, but. Um, I'd be curious if we ever found out if, you know, we looked that good and we only put in half the week focusing on Furman and we were still doing looks for and prep for, for Clemson or if Dave is a 
you know, fundamentalist and just says, no, we're each week is just devoted to that opponent. I'd be curious. Did you really just ask that question? You know, Dave is a fundamentalist. I know, you but, know they're but, not looking at but Clemson's so important. That's what I'm saying. Like I could imagine, I could understand if it was like the next week is Cuse or something. Um, <laughs> you know, but this is the, this is like your tenure defining opponent. And yeah, you know, I'm just curious. I mean, probably what the argument would be is we spend all off season prepping for that, so there's no point um, in in wasting you know a, a day of reps when we could be preparing for a team that might run triple option on us or something like that. So maybe that's the thing. But anyways, I, I was thinking about it today. I was just like, I wonder how much time we put into that because it'd be great to know if it was very minimal and we still got that kind of output from the defense. I would assume yeah, I'm assuming it had to be, but but you never know with Dave. Before we get too far into to Clemson, I wanted to call out some things. We had a two hour podcast <laughs> with James Anderson the other day, talking about you know what it meant to go, what, what it would mean to go eight and four. Dave Dorn, you know the perception of Dave, why the Mississippi State game was important, you know those sorts of things. We covered a lot of topics. It's worth the listen. Go back and listen to it. Even if you're catching this one after the, even if you have to do it after the Clemson game. We didn't really talk too much about Clemson. We were talking about the program in general. It's worth the listen. Uh, also put out um, a piece about ending passouts that's making its way around the, the internets today. Put out this morning. Uh, reached out to the athletic department about it and the. They didn't want to give a comment on it right now, but said that we'll have some conversations about that topic in the future. So I look forward to uh, speaking with them on that matter because I think it's important. I'm I'm surprised at the overwhelmingly positive response to that. I put that out and said, "Hey, you got to end pass outs," and fully expected, you know, a large percent of the Dave haters just to just jump out and say, "Well." You know, if the program was any good or if Dave was any good, you know, then I would stay for the whole game. And I, did, I got a, a little bit of that, but not nearly as much as I was I'd expected. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. I, I'm glad it's universally um, accepted that 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 needs to change. And I know there's some things to that need to be improved on, but y'all go read that and then let me know your thoughts and, and engage with it. So I'm curious what everybody thinks and, and what the people who go to the games, like how they, how do you feel about that process or that thing? I, right? Yeah. I'd be shocked. Like, okay, let's say we win this weekend. Like I fully expect us to, um, do you think at the next home game, no one's leaving at halftime? No, but what I've noticed is that less people are leaving. Yeah. I've seen that with, like, all season. Like, even if I just look at my group, and we park close enough where we could get out there, have a beer or two, and come back. It's a, it's a little bit of a walk, but it's still close enough. And they're not doing that as much. And I don't think, I think a lot, I think other people are falling in line with that as well. Right, I think people are starting to accept. Hey, there's beer in the stadium. I don't really want to walk out. I don't really like. Just I feel like it's starting to catch a little bit of momentum. Yeah. Now, 
if we get blown out this week, I think nothing is. I think I don't think that's going to change. And as I was writing this, it really and I'm not sure if who made the point. Somebody had said this, but it all comes back to Tom O'Brien, right? You're thinking about it like. When Chuck was here, it was football. Football was it. Everybody was ant for the games. Tailgating was was secondary. Tom O'Brien comes in and really sucks the fun out of your program. Yeah. And it becomes a social event. And the tailgating becomes the priority. And while Dave has done better on the field, he doesn't have enough panache to win over the crowd and the, the fans in that way, right? That same Chuck way to get the excitement into the football. And, and part of it is the letdowns. He hasn't had any of those, the big wins that even Tom O'Brien had, but he hasn't been able to change that. Uh, I don't know the, the priority of from being a football first to tailgate first, right? That got flipped in the Tom O'Brien era and it hasn't really changed. I think it can change. And I think it's judging by the reaction of this piece, the administration could rip off the bandaid next year and say no pass outs or we're selling pass outs or we're doing, doing something different. And I think it would be, I don't think it would be as poorly received as I thought it would be like originally. Yeah. I mean, be interesting if you could if you're a season ticket holder you know if they have to scan your ticket to come back in maybe you get docked points or something like that um you know i I like the idea of either paying an amount up front if you want that access good otherwise just make it like you want to come back in the game it's 25 bucks right yeah so if you do that for all seven eight home games it's going to cost you close to 200 bucks if you pay up front it's 100 bucks or if you're a good fan and you're okay getting relatively all your needs met in the stadium, then be in the stadium. It's, I don't know. I remember doing it, you know, the one time I remember actually doing the pass out is took my dad down. It was the year we played FSU in that night game with uh, Russell Wilson. I think we were losing at halftime and we were like, all right, let's go get some beers. Like whatever. Like we're not in this. And then I think by the time we got back to the stadium, we were walking around and we had scored. I think to start the quarter and you know, then we were there for the rest of the game and it was wild. And I always look back on it. I'm like, man, I can't believe I missed that. You know, getting back in time, you know, was shotgunning two beers. with right. My dad really that important um, answer probably, but yeah, so uh, that, that always takes part, you know, but, but yeah, if, if, if beer had been available, my dad, and I would just done like we do at a pro stadium. We would just walk down and got a beer and been right back. And, um, you know, so as long as they continue to improve their methodology there, I think some of the like don't don't they have the beer tents or something where the the cups are already everything's already poured, right? I don't think we're doing. Oh, that we aren't. Well, see, I mean, I mean that's might, something I would think yeah. of for like halftime is have everything right. pre poured, um, you know, freshly pre poured, right? You don't want to just like give people flat beer, but you know, come up with some mechanisms to speed the process up so people are feeling like they're free flowing. Um, you know, I think we'll see improvement with this. I think with the 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 food trucks or whatever that are supposed to be in the north end zone. Have they been doing that, Evan, or is that still to come? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's north northeast side. Yeah, I haven't partaken, but they're there. So, 
as long as the administration can stay in lockstep, I think they would be in their right to charge more money. Now, I might offer them a counterpoint to ease some bitching that will come and consider opening the tailgate hours, maybe from five hours to seven to appeal to those hardcore folks. You know, maybe there's that trade off there, but it doesn't surprise me that people are not going out as much if there's items available in the stadium, because inherently we as human beings are relatively lazy. So if we can (laughs) accomplish the same goal with less steps and it's just going to cost me 15 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever, you know, yeah, not a big deal. I agree. I think that all of these things are playing into it, right? And I think that is, uh, we're moving in that direction. And it, But at, at some point, we just got to do it. And I'm curious what the administration's reservations are on that, but hopefully we will find this out soon, sooner rather than later. So, but I wanted to make, I wanted to make sure that we called it out. If you haven't read it, please go read it. Please let us know what you think, because I think it is an important topic and especially given this game, you know, if I, if I put that out next week and we get smacked around this week, it wouldn't carry the same uh, momentum. I think we're gonna, right this week. It's important. Important to notice. So wanted to point that out. Is there any? All right. Yeah. I'll, I, no, oh, I was going to say, I mean, you know, I, I, <laughs> I didn't know when, when we we're going to naturally, naturally translate transition back to the game, but I was going to say, um, you know, since we're going to have uh, an insider in the tunnel for the game this weekend, I mean, is there anything you need me to uh, to say to the players as uh, as they're getting prepped and they're like, what is this five foot eight and under weirdo doing in here? So for y'all that don't know, Will has been on his personal jihad to win the Pack United auction. That gets the it's the pregame on the field fan experience, and he did win it. And will you will be standing by the tunnel when they come running out with the fireworks? Yeah, the, is that correct? The way they describe it, I will meet the um, uh, I will meet Buzzy Carell around three o'clock. We'll go down to the field, walk around the sidelines a bit, and then around three fifteen, we will go in the tunnel, watch the team load in the tunnel, and come out to the fireworks. And uh, so. You know, I, I'm gonna like pay him an extra hundred bucks so I can run out with the team. Um, but uh, no, I'm not gonna do that. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty jacked up about it. Pretty excited. Um, this is the kind of thing I've been saying that uh, for someone like me who does not give annually on a consistent basis, um, I the way you get people like me to pay more money is to have experiences, tangible experiences that you can invest in. I feel like that money has given you uh, uh, an immediate return on your money and then, you know, the consistency to keep donating in the future. Um, so I'm going to run some stuff by uh, Buzzy and these guys when I'm when I'm down there talking to them about it as far as how I think they could engage better with my portion of the fan Podcasters. base. What's that? I said engage better with podcasts. Well, and I mean, I, I will ask him if he's willing to come on the podcast and... Um, you know, speak to the benefits of it and if, you know, see if they have an open mind to having a discussion about how to get more interest from the younger fan base that is starting to have the capital available to invest, but maybe not comfortable investing two, three, four, five thousand dollars every year. But when you give them the opportunity, are willing to throw down money. Um, you know, like a good example would be, you know, there was a guy that was 
um, partaking in my jihad for these passes, I guess. And, um, you know, in the end, I think I, I spent 285. He was willing to spend 260, 265 or something like that. So, uh, you know, maybe my recommendation to the folks would be, well, hey, you guys could have got over $500 invested in the program if you'd had four passes. Like, so maybe consider doing something where every game there's going to be four, eight, ten, whatever the number is of these things available and just let people, you know, the market's kind of established. People want to pay 250 bucks or more to go down on the field and experience this, then take our money. Like, yep. uh, you know, vet us out if you think we're crazy or something. But, um, you know, so I'll have some recommendations on that. I, I don't want to get into it too much because I'm going to try to win that helmet and I don't want the fan base to be too aware of this auction. Um, yeah, I know. I want the jerseys too. So. <laughs> We're not going to tell you all yeah. about this. So, yeah. um, there's no there's no more events. Don't yeah. bother looking for it. <laughs> you guys can get no that lunch with Wes Moore. I'll trade you on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I haven't ever been on the field. So this is going to be a pretty cool experience for us. It's going to be wild to be down there with that many fans in the stadium. And then when they're running out, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. So look for... Uh, Look for some content from me from there. Yeah. If you don't see me leave the tunnel or come back to our section, you know that um, the department put in the hit on us. And um, have, <laughs> you'll you'll have to replace me with Zach. <laughs> yeah, we can't replace you with Chance. Uh, I hadn't put this out there yet, I guess. No, no, no just move on. Well. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Chance is um, no longer allowed to work with the podcast. He's gotten a job with the athletics department. And yeah, so good for chance, bad for us. Well, we'll Zach's got some shoes to fill on the baseball coverage, uh, and we'll, we will miss chance. And I know we've had people asking about where's chance been. And that's where chance has been. Yeah, chance, so. chance, is, chance and I are going to have to go to this baseball game when we still win ten games. Um, oh, out, outside of the purview of uh, of North Carolina, <laughs> so that we can uh, <laughs> be seen safely together. Right. Uh, all right, so I don't. I, I want to think of a name for this segment from the future, but I can't think of one. So I'm just going to play this little transition clip and then go into it. I'm going to play the clips from some of the podcasts that I listened to who were talking about NC State. So I'm going to go ahead and play these. You can call it the. the uh, they said what about NC State? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. All right, here we go. This is the Yahoo Sports podcast. Number nine, Clemson at NC State, 330 on ESPN. Clemson is given 10, over under is 46 and a half, 60% of the bets, and 90% of the money on the Wolf Pack. Part of it is, I think, the the loss of Peyton Wilson, NC State's uh, starting linebacker, probably the best linebacker in the ACC just alleviates a lot of the diamondism that they had on, on the defensive side of the ball. I really feel like trusting NC State in a big spot just continues to be a mistake time after time and year after year. So NC State could very well win this game. I'm not naive to that. But I really think that Clemson's offense is going to continue to evolve. Tony Elliott is too smart and has had too many good offenses to continue to kind of be running on a treadmill a little bit. And I think that... Some of the disruption from the lightning delay caused some of the issues they had against Georgia Tech. I trust Dabo to respond to adversity. So, and I just, 
don't trust NC State, which has been years years in the making. I I, I did pick them preseason to be a surprise team, but uh, and look, hopefully Carter Finley's jumping. NC State, it's a great fan base. They deserve a great moment like this, but I just I just don't see it in in part because of Mississippi State's defense can essentially they scored ten in that game, but they essentially you know. <laughs> Couldn't piss a drop the entire afternoon. They they scored one touchdown very uh, very very late. I believe it was yeah a minute left. Leary threw a touchdown pass to make it twenty four ten. I feel like Clemson defensively, Brent Venables has had those guys dialed up. We'll figure them out. And uh, yeah, Clemson won by two touchdowns. Order will be restored. Yeah, I agree with you because I mean starting with the absolute bedrock belief that you cannot trust NC State. They are they are the 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 classic team that as soon as you, you get your hopes up about them, they step on their Johnson and do what they did against Mississippi State and Starkville. I mean, it's Can just you say that? Ridiculous. I did just say that. Yes. You know, so let's start with that. I, I believe the phrase amongst NC State fans is NC State. This is some NC State. And that's exactly what the Mississippi State game was, where it's like, okay, here we go. As soon as we start feeling good, bad things happen. And the other strong belief here is that Clemson can't be this bad. All right? Eventually, they'll start getting some things going. It's not like they don't have talent. The offensive line is an issue. Otherwise, there are no issues. And if you look, NC State couldn't run the ball to save their lives against Mississippi State. 25 carries, 34 yards. It's going to be worse against Clemson in that front because Clemson will eat them alive up front. Wolfpack are going to have to throw every single time, and that could lead to bad things. And so I think Clemson makes some plays defensively, finally breaks some big plays offensively and scores enough to cover the 10. I'm probably going to hate this pick because, as Pete noted, Peyton Wilson's out and safety Cyrus Fagan is out for the year. Yeah. But I'm taking the Wolfpack. They look pretty good on defense against Furman. Uh, not much of a step <laughs> up against Clemson either. Against Furman. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, <laughs> well, buy Apple stock, Sully. Just like buy Furman. Apple stock. Uh, I have a feeling NC State will test the Tigers in their first true road game of the season and keep this one close enough. Uh, I'm taking the 10 points and going with the public. Well, you're going lone wolf back on this. Look, <laughs> the uh, Clemson offense has been horrible. We mentioned they've scored 17 points against legit competition. that We're ignoring South Carolina State. Uh, no offense to the Bulldogs. But their defense has also given up 11. Georgia won the game on a, on a pick. I think they'll, they'll they'll get some turnovers. I don't really like the NC State offense against Mississippi State. Ten is tough when you've got such a limited offense, but I think Clemson pulls this out. I will take Clemson uh, getting uh, giving ten. Last one. Of hey, the- so I just wanted to go on record. Pat Forty said NC State has big dick energy. If it's if we're able to step <laughs> on it, it's got to be pretty big. Uh, next, uh, one more. <laughs> I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play one more. We'll we'll get we'll get back to them. Here's uh, the Cover Three podcast. This is Chip Patterson. He's in the area. At 3.30 afternoon slot, we've got Clemson traveling to Raleigh to take on the NC State Wolfpack. Our betting line is Clemson favored by 10 over under around 47 and a half. Anybody got a play from Saturday afternoon's events in Carter-Finley Stadium? I don't. If I was going to, I'd probably lay the 10 with Clemson, but I feel like I'm banking on this breakout game. Um, But I don't have a play in this one. I love the under here. And I know that 47 and a half is a low number, but 
Um, I think that when we look at what NC State does the best, it's probably running the football with Bam Knight and Ricky Person Jr. And Clemson, you know, even with the loss of Tyler Davis, like Clemson should should be able to keep that in check. I see this game having a like 17 to 20 or 21 to 17 or 24. I get, I wanted to take NC state and on the early edge uh, sports line live show, I took NC state plus 10, but as I really started like penciling this down and, and trying to figure out the different angles to it, I think that it's almost uh, like Clemson has NC state, you know, at, at four points and you feel like your NC state tickets going to cash and, and li- I lifted this right from my friend Joe Giglio. He's, he pointed out, like, Will Shipley, who's the new starting running back, who might be a straight-up star in this Clemson offense, has a whole bunch of – he's from North Carolina, had a whole bunch of family members go to NC State. And NC State's got this weird habit of, like, Raleigh or North Carolina natives just sort of showing out, uh, just using it as the opportunity, you know, whether you have a personal vengeance or whether, in Shipley's case, maybe he's got a whole bunch of, you know, family at the game. But it, Gilio turned me on to the idea, so I've got to give him credit here. But it's like Clemson is probably not going to be able to get right offensively against NC State. I think that NC State is good enough defensively that they are going to be able to keep this game close. They're going to be able to keep this game competitive. And every um, close and competitive outcome for me ends up going under the total. So I'll take the under. Also, don't Doran and Dabo not like each other? They have, uh, since the laptop gate... You know, where uh, Dave Doran was raising a, a big to-do about the laptop on the sideline, which was being run by the social media experts, or so they say. <laughs> um, they, I've, I've seen them be a little bit more cordial in, in in-person um, events, but they, didn't, they also didn't play last year. Division rivals that uh, didn't play last season. So very, very uh, interested to see what happens. Clemson has a get-right game when they absolutely thump a conference opponent but I don't think in Carter-Finley Stadium against a experienced NC State defense is going to be it. This is one that I think Clemson's going to have to grind to win. So I'll take the under. All right. Uh, let's go to the night at 3.30 uh, afternoon. A little happy on the pause button there. Would you like, would you like my opinion? Well, they're, they're all going to be in shock yes. because uh, NC State is going to be beating that ass this weekend. Um, I am, Hey, here's a fun fact. Um, Georgia allows 70 rushing yards per game. Uh, Clemson allows 106. NC state allows 72. Okay. So pass efficiency defense. It's basically the same deal. You know, Georgia 85% efficiency, whatever this is. Clemson's 93 NC state's 103. We're top 15. We're top five in third down defense. We're ninth in penalties. We're eighth in first down defense. We're 16th in red zone defense. And we're fifth in scoring defense. So why is Clemson getting all this love? Like, they could barely score on Georgia Tech last weekend. And on the flip end, they were still allowing Georgia Tech without their starting quarterback to move the ball on them and and being a threat to beat them. So that's at Clemson. This is at NC State. I don't think we're getting fair enough credit here. I think Clemson gets way more credit than they should get. 
for that Georgia game where my guess, maybe Georgia's not that good on offense, really. Their defense might be way ahead of Clemson. But what have you seen from Clemson in the last three weeks that says, well, yeah, they should be able to just go on their first road game into a pretty hostile environment and they're just going to move the ball easily? The numbers don't support it. And that, to me, is that's where I kind of diverge. And that's what I pick up from both of these these clips and from what other people say, is that they are, and a lot of state fans are, counting on a Clemson breakout game, right? You, you feel like it's coming. They, they should have enough talent to to do that. But then they are also discounting our talent based solely on the Mississippi State game, which I believe we are better than what we showed, and I believe we have learned a little bit from that. We might not be as good as we were in the UCF game or in the Furman game, but we will, especially on offense, passing the ball, be better than we did against Mississippi State. I'm almost certain. Of that. Yeah, I mean, Mississippi State. I don't know what their defense really is, but they're pretty. They're they're not horrible on defense as far as stopping right. the run, and we played into that mindset. Um, yeah. And yet, we still had plenty of missed opportunities. I mean, if you think about it alone, Anthony Smith and and Carter, like they they should have had multiple long either field flipping receptions or touchdowns. We shouldn't yeah. have done that stupid pass with Ricky Person. We missed field goal. like we had a lot of points that were just missed opportunities. Maybe we just weren't you know connecting because we were on the road. I don't know. I don't expect this team to come out flat at home against the team that they have been circling for two years now to make up for, you know, that ass whipping that they did in 2019 to us. Like this team is going to be hungry. They're going to hit hard. And quite frankly, Clemson's offense, from what I've seen, unless something really changes in their passing game, is going to be heavily reliant on a a freshman running back and... uh, you know, a, a semi-mobile quarterback to keep moving the chains. So I, I'm not seeing why people think this is going to be... A, I, frankly, we could easily cover the spread, still lose this game, because maybe the offense just doesn't click. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout on their end. I think it's more likely that we blow them out. Yeah, I, it's, that's the thing. Like, and, and maybe it's better that all these people are not picking us Right, against us, we have that. Um, we have that tendency to step on our Johnson, so <laughs> to speak, when everybody's on our our bandwagon. And I, I kind of like it, right? I, I like them underselling us. I think we're not as bad as they think we are, or maybe we're not as good as we thought we were earlier in the season. But I've been saying this from. All the way back in March, when we first started talking about this, we're beating Clemson this year. Like, I, f- I feel like this is this is the best chance we have to beat Clemson in a long time, and it's even better than I thought it was because, as uh, James Bostic, who was on the the pod earlier this week, Clemson guy, was telling us, their offensive line is atrocious. Like, it is so bad. Can we score on them? Is going to be a you know, the bigger thing. I think our defense is good enough to keep that pressure on Clemson. Now, 
factoring in, let's hope Will Shipley doesn't take the opening kickoff 100 yards to the house. Just kick it out then, of bounds. Yeah. <laughs> don't kick it to him. Don't give him a chance to it. All right. And there is that Anton Gill factor, the Raleigh natives who always shine when they come back to Raleigh. Right. We get that. I think Chip Patterson and Joe Gilly were, were right in that regards. But I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like it's somewhere in the middle of what everybody's saying. Right? I, I don't think it, it's a 10-point game. I think this game's a lot closer one way or the other. And, and I think we're better than what people are saying we are. And better what we've not as good as those two games against the chumps, but not as bad as the game against Mississippi State. And I don't think Clemson is very good. So I don't know. I just kind of I'm kind of in between here. I'm, I'm I'm in middle area of of how I think this game is going to go. Yeah, I mean I think it's just going to come down to how we. It's just simple. It's what's the game plan? I just rewatched that. Ohio State yeah. game again, and Ohio State just came out constantly, just mixed up tempo. Half the time, they would be standing up at the line, they would shift a wide receiver really fast, and they'd snap snap it within two seconds before Clemson could respond. And it wasn't even like complex formations or anything like that. You could see the Clemson defense. If you take away Brent Venables calling everything in and telling them what to do, they aren't that. They're, they're just not that disciplined. They don't actually know. They are too right. reliant on him. And so Clemson would half the time be in that just linemen were basically at the line. Everyone's just standing. Then boom, snap. Snap within two seconds. Or they would huddle up. Wide receivers would go out. They'd stand there for five, ten seconds. And then the offensive line would rush up. They'd snap the ball within one to two seconds. And then boom, they were off. And either sometimes Clemson sniffed it out. And then if it was third and long, they'd do a normal huddle and take their time. But most of the time, Clemson wasn't set, was confused. And eventually they started popping the big plays. They were running strong off the left, occasionally to the right. I did notice they were favoring the left a bit. And um, they were using their tight ends in the passing game, which apparently they hadn't been doing all year. And then they let their star wide receivers take over by going deep. And it was just pop, pop, pop. And keeping Clemson on edge. And I want to see us do that. I don't care if we lose by 20 points doing that. But I want to see us put make them make dis- make mistakes. Stress them out. And allow your playmakers like Bam Knight to go make a play on the ground. Or Ant Smith in the air. Or Mecca Mezzi. Whatever. Um, I, I want to see that. And on the flip side with, with Gibson. Just stay aggressive. Be confusing without putting us in bad positions. Don't don't rush the three linebackers and drop the three defensive linemen like he did in the Mississippi State game. Like that's too insane, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But it's clear that they've got offensive line issues. It's clear that Uangle is not comfortable back there as a passer and is not confident. And it's obvious that Will Shipley, while maybe he's going to be pretty pretty good, he's still a freshman. He still is going to make mistakes in in coverage uh, or sorry, in pass protection. And as long as you understand that they're going to be checking down to the flat for the running back often, or trying to use Ungale to run the ball. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like they look like a worse Lamar Jackson Louisville team to me, where. 
they're not hitting the deep balls. They're not explosive. They've just, it's like first year Lamar is kind of what it looks like to me. And, you know, I think we have a game plan that works for that. And we just saw them struggle against a three, three, five. I don't care how difficult it looks. You know, you're Clemson. You shouldn't be struggling against a three, three, five, especially when you have an opponent coming up with a three, three, five. So, right. I don't know, man. I, I, as long as we don't do anything stupid, don't shoot ourselves in the foot, don't commit penalties, and we have a positive turnover margin, I think we're going to win this game. It's weird to feel like that given it's Clemson, right? Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't disrespect them. They've won every right. time against Dave, right? But this is this team, this is a this Clemson doesn't look as good to me as the Kelly Bryant Clemson did. Um, yeah, I agree. And it's nowhere near the Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence versions. So, and then I don't think we should discount. It's their first road game. Like that neutral game against Georgia isn't like the perfect example of like what it's like to actually go on the road where 99% of the crowd hates you. And it's going to be hell on them. If And it's going to be quiet on offense for us for the most part. So I don't know, man. I, I, Someone said that if it had been a night game, maybe this was on the IPS pod, like they would pick NC State without a doubt. Um, I would not doubt our 330 drunk fans. (laughs) There's not much difference, to be honest. They're just as aggressive, if not more pissed, because they're still warm and in the sun. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I guess I'm glad that we're not getting respect right now and we need to earn it obviously right right but i'm confident that both defenses are gonna not underwhelm i have more i mean at least our quarterback looks like he could throw the ball down the field yeah you know so just don't fuck up secondary (laughs) you know watching we were at the Furman game and i had this conversation with my buddy uh, at the Mississippi State, Mississippi State game as well. And I thought originally the offense looked slow and kind of sluggish. And, and I don't necessarily know if that's tempo or just the way they were running, you know, the way they were running it and how Leary was going through his progressions. It seemed to be he was a little bit a little bit late with some of his throws and a little bit behind and just maybe thinking a little bit too much. And it wasn't the same as the Leary from Pitt last year. And now he hasn't played that many games. So that's, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to see. Am I, did you notice that at all? Did you notice? I mean, maybe the offense just not seeing to be in sync as much as it, as expected. Well, I mean, if you want my opinion, I think Leary probably is more comfortable when he has the better playmakers on the field than Mm -hmm. necessarily the veterans. And against the SEC defense, if your guys aren't really creating separation and you're really only confident in one wide receiver's jump ball ability, um, it makes it difficult for you to want to pull the trigger. Now, I still don't think we... I mean... I'm not. You, you cannot discount that drive where it was like five back-to-back screens or whatever we did, 
And that's the kind of thing you yeah. do to jumpstart your quarterback. And it was clear he was comfortable, that it was working, that the advantages were there, and then it set up the plays that got us down to the goal line. So part of it is maybe misreading our abilities up to that point, and then, you know, then maybe I, I, I still don't know what happened after that drive. It, it just seems like the clamps got put on, and all of a sudden they didn't want to they didn't want to call that kind of script anymore. Um, right. So, I mean, it's imperative on them to make it easy on him early. I expect we'll see like either, I don't know, it's like, it's one of two things, right? We're either going to like attack vertically right away, or I think they're going to be playing in the flats and that might lead to some negative, negative drives to start the game. Um, you know, so I, I, it's almost like I'm kind of like sitting here, like as long as you prevent the deep ball attack on you in the first drive or two, because I'm sure they're going to try to jumpstart Ukule, whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> you know, so, Ui Ungula, yeah, whatever. I don't care. You're not good enough for me to know your name, from what I've seen. <laughs> so, you know, as long as we don't let them get explosive in the first drive or two. And we can just maintain our calm as we adjust to whatever speed. You know, maybe the advantage of playing an SEC team will pay off here. Um, I, I expect the team to get itself under itself pretty quickly. Now, if we come out and we're just like, we're going to run left, run left, run left, run left. Um, you know, the boo birds might start earlier than expected, I guess. Um, yeah. You know. I, I want to see something a little bit different. Right, I, they they kind of showed some different looks in that Furman game, and I, and I liked it. And I, I think they're going to start mixing up the wide receivers. We're not going to see Carter, Thayer, Mezzi all out there at once. If I had to take a guess, I think that they've probably realized that they need to get Rooks and Smith out there more, <laughs> and they need to get them flowing. So I started throwing little shorts to Ant Smith because eventually teams are going to key on them and just you know drop back and make it harder for him for him to run by them. What my my buddy had noticed was, and it'd be interesting to watch this week, is Leary looks a lot more comfortable in a three-step drop. So in the three-step drop, it's it's a pre-designed read, right? You're looking at the defense, you see what's there, and you, you know where you're going to go with the ball in most cases. Five-step drop is you're reading as you go. And I think his five-step drops are a little bit slower. And you can see that with some of the... um. Some of the throws, like in windows, which he hit because he's got good arm talent, but I think they were just a little bit late, and it might be nitpicky. But I'm that's what I'm going to be looking at this week with Leary. Like I want to see him in a better rhythm and a little snappier with his decisions. Yeah, I. You know what's interesting about the wide receivers is I think it was in his radio show, but Davis said something like, you know, Joker acknowledged after the game that. You know, they should have been playing rooks and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a head coach, but I feel like if I'm on the sideline and I'm watching my guys struggle, I might have the conversation with my coaches and say, is there a reason we don't want to put the fast and explosive players out there? Like maybe they weren't doing great in practice or maybe it's, Hey man, we want to give the bets their reps. But to me, it's always interesting it's pretty common, I guess. I see, you see these responses from coaches afterwards. Well, yeah, you know, we had to talk as a staff and realize we should have been blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm surprised there aren't kind of 
packages or concepts already built in to your game plan that says, if everything is going to shit, we need to go to this package right now. And we're going to ride it and see what happens. We're going to keep riding it until they change. And I just don't want to see the same thing happen in this Clemson game where it's like, all right, game plan one isn't working. Well, there's nothing to shift to. And we're going to just ride the veterans because they've played Clemson before. You know, I I don't know. Just it's going to be interesting to me, to I guess, to watch from a coaching perspective, because I, I think this game's going to come down to Tim Beck for the most part. I agree. I agree. I, th- I think that's something that we we've talked about before, and I feel like he let us down in that Mississippi State game, and we haven't had to really see anything else from him in those other two games. And so here, I want to see, like you said, you've, you've been saying this for a while. Ohio State took advantage of Clemson's defensive setup and their reliance on Venables. I want to see us. Use some of that coaching acumen to do the same thing, right? To take advantage of those situations. Yeah. I don't think that's something we have been historically good at. So I would just say that Drinkwitz did a very good job of doing it against Clemson for two years. Um, right. The third year, they just stunk, so it didn't really matter. That was the year we got blown out <laughs> in Clemson. But for two years, he was very much the same thing. The play calls. Even if they had a check with me, everything was coming in last second so that they couldn't react in time, and then you had them unsure of themselves. And right. it's just interesting to me. Like I know <clears throat> maybe other teams aren't as reliant as Venables is, but I mean, from my perspective, teams should understand that Clemson has been studying you and stealing your signs, and they have people dedicated to just you. And so... They are getting so much information in in those seconds before those plays that he is screaming into his guys. And that's why they seem to know where you're going and they're constantly beating you to the spot. It's because they have taken so much information and they are digesting it at a faster rate and getting it to their players. So the only way you can stop that is to screw up their information inputs. So huddle... And break fast and go so they don't have time. Don't change your personnel, but have them kind of in the rough areas you want them in so you can get them there fast and go. Um, it, it's stuff like that that you've got to do because you can't expect to have the same resources as Clemson, so you have to fuck their resources up. And that's why I've just been harping on it because I was like, Ohio State was clearly very upset that their signals were being stolen and used against them. And so they said, okay, you're going to steal them no matter what, but we're going to prep so that when we play you, we're going to just completely mess with your minds. And some some right. downs we're going to go the full tempo or the, the full clock. Others, it's going to be bang, 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 bang. And we're going to just, even in, inside their drives, they were just constantly changing. It's almost like they had a randomizer and they're, you know, uh, the Excel random tool, and they were just like, all right, yep, nope, yep, nope, yep, nope. Um, yeah. It, you've got to stress them. And that's how I think you compete with them, is you take away that one advantage, which is you don't want to get blown out. Well, you're not going to win this game if you're playing like that. You want to try to beat the crap out of them and blow them out. That's why I thought Syracuse constantly had them on edge with those dungy teams. 
mm-hmm. right? Because they were just like, we're and just going to stress you. <clears throat> I think you're exactly right. And I think that is how you – and it, it kind of comes back to everything we've always said about how you beat better teams is you scheme around them, right? Clemson's going to have better talent than you. Florida State used to have better talent than this. You have to do things that exploit their weaknesses, and that is one of their weaknesses. I don't think that's something this regimen has been historically good at, but given that this is a whole new staff, I'm, I'm interested to see how they do that with this week. I mean, I think Ohio State laid out that game plan of how you neutralize a Venable's defense pretty good. And I'm just wondering if we learn from it, right? One of the other things that I forgot which one it was, Yahoo podcast said is that Clemson is just going to make us throw the ball. Can we win just throwing the ball? Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. I, I mean, that's the thing is like I was watching, it was the condensed game. So, you know, I probably missed 10% of the snaps, I'm guessing. But Georgia right. Tech is not a good throwing team. And they were doing a, per, a, a mix of just runs and passes. And they weren't, it wasn't anything crazy. Now they got, they had some fumble luck that helped them out. I think Clemson fumbled twice or something like that. I think they've had Clemson's had like ten or more fumbles this year already, and maybe only lost like one or two of them. Um, and if that continues, wow. that I mean, that law of averages will catch up with you. And um, you know that, that's why I was mentioning that turnover margin. I think is going to be the key thing. If you just can, if we can just be plus one there, it could it could mean the game. But um. <sighs> Use the pass to set up the run. Like, I don't think this team is... I just do not think Clemson is as invincible as they've looked. I think they had a lot of time to prepare for Georgia. I thought they looked kind of... They didn't look that great against Georgia Tech. And, you know, they probably spent a lot of time prepping for us because we're in their division and they hate us. You yeah. know? But at the same time, that's why, at this point, you can be unpredictable. You've You've shown enough weird wrinkles probably so far in the season that... Beck should be able to kind of mess around and build plays differently in, in his counters or whatever. Um, but I think you should throw the ball on these guys. Like it's the same. You people should be trying to throw the ball on us. Like if we're really right. top ten rushing defenses and top whatever I think thirty or whatever I said for Clemson. Yeah, it makes sense to try to stress them out through the air. And if it's not there, yeah. you better get creative and. I mean, the the I've, I had this in my notes. Better see Leary on some like quarterback design runs, like three or four times this game. I think just that threat, plus the verticality with Smith and having mm-hmm. Rooks in there to attack the middle and have you know just you need to fully stress them out. It can't just be a game where you're like, I'm going to leave Devin in the pocket. We're too afraid. What happens if? Who cares if Devin gets injured? Like, we're probably going to lose a ton of games this season. But I want us to try to win the big game. And I think at some point you just have to say, the bu- you know, the, the the bubble wrap is off. Go out there and play, Devin. Run. Move through the pocket. Step up into the pocket. If it breaks down, go for it. You know, I just don't think you can win against Clemson playing 10 versus 11 on offense. Yeah, you're right. Take off the bubble wrap on him and let him play. Right, let him play loose, let him throw, let him run. I think that's he's been apprehensive to run, which is kind of surprising to me. But maybe that is 
by choice. And maybe that, I mean, they honestly really didn't need to until now. Maybe some of that Mississippi State game, but I think we can, I think we can win throwing the ball. I don't, I don't know if we've shown that, so to speak. And maybe my confidence is a bit misguided, but I, I do. I think we can win throwing the ball. I don't think George's offense is going to blow anybody away this year, especially from the passing side of it. I'm, we know Georgia Tech struggles. They, don't, they didn't even have their starting quarterback. I think we're not as bad offensively as we've shown. And that's what I'm maybe I'm what I'm banking yeah. on, right? Now, I will say Georgia's been scoring some points, right? Like, let's not. But, but, but sure, they're like yeah, 46 they, yeah. in the country, right? They're riding that defense. And I think the difference here, right, is you're four games in the season now. Some injuries have start, are starting to catch up. You're starting to see, right, like they don't have Lynn J. Dixon anymore. Now, maybe they didn't want to play Lynn J. anymore, yeah. and they concentrate on Shipley, but what happens if Shipley takes a big hit? Because I guarantee our guys are going to try to hit Shipley. And, yeah. you know, then you're down to a third string running back, or, you know, who knows how they had their lineup with Lynn J. in there or not. Um, same thing that happens, you know, what if DJU gets injured, right? I mean, this this game, there are so many variables at this point in the game, plus enough tape out there that any good coordinator should be able to say, we planned all offseason for this team. Look at what we've seen so far. They don't seem capable of doing this or doing that. So let's let's go attack. I, I just think it's different. Oh, did the red light just come on, Evan? Did we? Yeah, red light's on. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get a recruit. I turned the red dog sign on in my office so my family knows that I'm recording. They can see it glowing under my door. <laughs> my kids are about to come home from school. So. Yeah, I mean, that's the other, like, the underlying story that I'm curious how how does Dave treat Shipley? Like, is does he put a target on him? Like, does he want to go all at him? Like, is he emphasizing that? I don't know if he's emphasizing it to the players, but maybe to the other coaches. And I wonder how much of Shipley starting this game is Davo playing mind games. Well, my my guess is Shipley is the best back that they've got in the room. And probably true. You know, and is if Lynn J. Dixon is gone, uh, you you know, who else are you going to start, really? So, you know, you play the guy that you think is really good and you know he'll probably only be at Clemson for two or three I mean three years right I mean in theory if he's if he lives up to his his capability so yeah. run the dog while you got the dog and then on the flip side if if your coverage unit can keep their wide receivers in check then sell out and stop the run like we're going to be physical they I I I need I need to go pull up the numbers, but I think he only had like eighty some yards in the in the Georgia Tech games. It's not like they did a yeah. Ty Chandler, uh, you know, against Virginia and had one hundred ninety plus yards. Right? This is now Georgia <laughs> Tech. I think is a, a decent defensive team, anyways. So like, let's not undersell right. that too. But it's it's weird to have a Clemson where right now the quarterback isn't living up to expectations. The running back is young and does not look as immediately dynamic as ETN was. I think his first year, right, he was like popping off like 10 plus yards a carry. The offensive yeah, line is legit. in shambles. And the defense 
is really good, like that's it. Like that seems to be the calling card right now. So yeah, just eke out points where you can get it. Win on the margins, and I, I, I'm not joking. Like if we if we get the ball in the first half, when we kick the ball off in the second half, just kick it straight out of bounds. I, it's yeah. unless you've got unless we have the wind behind our back and we can guarantee we're booting that thing through the end zones. Like I don't even care. Just take away little things where you can say we're not going to give you the opportunity for a special teams touchdown. We're going to angle all the punts so that you're not going to get a big return off the punt of punt pro. We're going to be constantly swiping the ball since you guys have a fumbling problem and see if we can get a ball to pop out. Like you've got to win on the edges this week, and that's how you're going to upset them. And the other thing is, I mean, we were talking about it beforehand, right? But like Jesus Christ, if this game is close. And people go to the go to pass outs like just f you as fans like <laughs> I am sorry but this is like the one game where you guys don't get the excuse I don't even care if we're down multiple scores you you yeah. cannot leave this game and if you do like I don't ever want to hear a word from you again it's the same people that will say well we didn't have a chance we you know Dave was. Dave still coaching his team, so I'm gonna I'm gonna. I gotta get that Keystone Light right now. Right, yeah. You guys are never drinking Uh, good beers when you go at halftime. I know it. You're not drinking craft beer. Somebody in the pod chat put out a a, an idea the other day, and I put it in the pass outs article. Is that they should have a dollar discount uh, for every touchdown that is scored, and I'm like, you could do that. It'd be a great halftime promo. Take a dollar off your beer for every touchdown we score in the first half. Right, started at they started at like eight bucks or whatever, and then you know, you score a couple touchdowns, cheaper beer at halftime, like just pile all those incentives on. I think that's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, I guarantee our uh, point of sale system is probably not going to keep up with that. <laughs> they use they use uh, freaking square, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. they could, right? They can do you that, know, but <laughs> or what would happen is the west side would get the discounts and the east side wouldn't. You know, just well. That's fine with know, me. Let's see. <laughs> I'm on yeah, the we're west. all on the west side this game. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, I think that would be a great uh, promotion. I'd also do. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to do like quarter beers, you know, some crazy, right? But um, yeah, cheaper beers at the beginning of the game, staying in. Cheaper beers at halftime. You know, it, it, I'd be curious to see what the, you know, kind of like the revenue we're bringing in for this stuff is, and if consideration would be, you know, hey, like, look. I think uh, was it Mike Gundy who said Oklahoma State should consider yeah. cheaper beer prices to keep people in. Yep, I, I put that in the I put his quote in the my article yeah. this week. Like it's exactly what he said. He's like, maybe we should try cheaper beer. It's like, hmm, not a bad idea. I mean, think about it, right? Like, what's um? Do you know what the, the beer price is right now? Is it like eight bucks, six bucks? It's like eight bucks, probably. Yeah, yeah I don't remember exactly, but well, um, if you make it five and people buy two instead of zero. You're making more money, you know. So, I, look, the margin—it's just like soda, man. Like, yeah. there's plenty of margin in those beer sales. It might be worth cheaping it up a little bit to increase your your capacity, or or maybe make something like that says like if you're a season ticket holder. Like this is what I kind of I wanted to kind of talk to this guy about is you should have more incentives to make me want to be a season ticket holder that are going to give me immediate feedback. So make me a season ticket holder and give me two dollars off my beer. You know, right. right? There's there's stuff like that where you can make some That's trades. That's pretty good idea. Um, to get people when they come to do that. Um, 
I'd also say every seat in the stadium should have a seat back, but that's you know that's just me. Um, <laughs> I just have a bad back. Um, uh, yeah, that's all I gotta say on that topic. Now think about it. <clears throat> and I completely lost where I was going with that, but breaking news. Not oh my news, god! What? But <laughs> <laughs> Ed from LA didn't leave us a message, but he sent us an email. And he said, you can read this on the pod if you want. So I'm going to read this. I have not read it yet. But the title is, Why NC State Cannot Beat Clemson. And there are five bullet points. So I'm going to read them for you. First one, they've lost 15 of the past 16 games. This is no rivalry because the only team that consistently wins the game <laughs> is Clemson. The last pack win was 2011, a decade ago. Clemson is always ready to play and State never gets pumped up for the game. When Bambard missed the field goal five years ago at Clemson that defined our program, missed golden opportunities and inability to win the game. What do you think about that? Well, first off, I mean, I think we always get pumped up to play this game. I think there's just been multiple years where the talent differential was just unfathomable to overcome. (laughs) Um, Correct. Yeah. So I would challenge that. Now, I will say that 2011 game was awesome. I was in Atlanta at the time, and I was watching that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was one of those games where my dog was hiding in the shower by the probably halfway through the second quarter because I was screaming (laughs) in excitement so much as we were playing that game. Um, And that was another game, by the way, right? We were were dogs. They, I think, um, uh, I cannot remember the name of that quarterback. uh, it was a guy pre Watson and he was, he threw several interceptions. I think Sammy Watkins was on that team and we were holding them in check. I think they had a couple like key injuries while we were playing. And that was, that defense was pretty good. That was the, I think J.R. Sweezy was still there if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And yep. you know, everything worked out right. So I don't see why you can't have a similar outcome like that. It's just not a night game, but man, that game was awesome. Just thinking about it. Wasn't EJ Taj yeah. Boyd was the guy you Taj were thinking Boyd. of? Yeah, Taj Boyd. Yeah, we beat their ass 37 17. Yeah, something like that. 37 13. Yeah, that was uh, I think Tobias right. Palmer had a uh, screen touchdown. It mm-hmm. was just awesome, awesome run. Yeah, number two from Ed from LA Dabo Sweeney will never lose to Dave Dorn. The complete 100% totality of the Tigers' domination ownership of state in the series and Dave is due to Sweeney. He gets the Tigers up for these games against State, and the Tigers always perform well enough to win. Sweeney didn't like Doran for interfering that Clemson cheated with a lap or inferring that Clemson cheated with a laptop on the sideline a few years ago, and he won't let it go. In Raleigh in 19, Clemson led 48-10. 55 seconds left in the game, the Tigers dominated and had the ball in the red zone. Instead of taking a knee and running out the clock for an easy win, Sweeney had his team score a meaningless, unnecessary touchdown purely to stick a needle in Dave Doran's eye. Dabo hates Dave and will always beat Dorn when there is an opportunity. I do think Dabo hates Dave. I think Dave has poked him a few times and this game maybe used to mean a little bit more to Dabo. I don't know if that's still the case since they didn't play last year. Maybe that's cooled a little bit, but yeah. It's, it's hard to maintain that passion of a son hatred when you blow their doors out two years, then you don't see them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, I think they're going to be fully pumped up. Um, I think Dabo hates Doran because Doran almost cost him a championship in that first year, right? I mean, if they had lost to us <laughs> and Pitt, you know, who knows what the trajectory yeah. of Clemson is at that point. Um, 
and then we nearly beat them the year after that. That was like that was the laptop gate thing, which I mean, I look rules are rules, man. You can't have a computer down there. Like if that's the rule, yeah, it's fair for him to point out and say, "Hey, man," you know. But you know, I remember Dave, or, uh, Dave also being a little bit of a whiny bee after the Florida State game that year where we were going ultra tempo and they kept falling over and cramping and that was Jacoby Brissett, I think year one. And yep. you know, so he has constantly rubbed bigger, better teams the rub the, the wrong way. Um <laughs> a, lo- a lot of people yeah. yeah. But at the same time it's like of course Clemson would be up to play NC State because honestly, if you look at the, I mean, between us and Florida State in that same t- period of time, we were the only ones that were really giving them headaches in those games, right? Yeah. So right. Davo's not stupid. He's going to focus on the top two guys in the division, and yeah, he 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 knows going into the season, the ACC at the, the media day, right? Everyone picked us to be second behind him, so they're not going to be sleeping on us, and you know. Supposedly they've like buried the hatchet somewhat, but I guarantee you if Dave wins this game, he is going to fucking slam dunk all over Dabo Swinney. He's going to have something about, I want to be, you know, our players want to be on a team that wins games and competes for championships and you can do that here. (laughs) I mean, he is going to be in full on Salty Dave Uh, troll mode. That's the first thing I'm going to, if I see him in the tunnel, I'll be like, Salty Dave! Yeah, we need Salty Dave. So... I, I guarantee you, no one wants to beat Dabo more than Dave Doran. I and I don't blame him. I, if that guy is a charlatan, he is full of it. And I, <laughs> everyone has been waiting for the day where this team looks like it's slightly down. God, I hope I hope we all beat them this year. I don't mm. care. People be like, oh, you beat a bad Clemson. If they go zero and eight, I am going to be just dancing with joy. I agree. One yeah, and, I can one and agree seven, that. I guess. Thanks a lot, Georgia Tech. Here's number three from Ed from L.A. NC State cannot perform on the national stage. State has lost so many winnable games early in seasons. South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, Mississippi State this year. State got humiliated by Texas A&M in the Gator Bowl two years ago and by Mississippi State in the Belk Bowl in Charlotte five years ago. Those two bowl games weren't close. We all saw State lose to an under 500 Kentucky team last year as well. Whenever State gets an opportunity to perform on the national stage against a prominent program, they lose in embarrassing fashion. I get calls from my friends all over the country about how listless, how pathetic, how <laughs> lifeless NC State is on nationally televised games. You need better friends. Uh, we always come out stumbling and bumbling and get humiliated with large audiences watching. We don't just wet the bed on, on national TV. We soil our pants with explosive diarrhea. Uh, Ed, you're awesome. Oh, Okay, I just want to say this. I am Go. so tired of hearing about this Kentucky game. If you cannot honestly recognize that Bailey Hockman had clearly checked out that uh, I think a Mecca, I don't remember if a Mecca was injured in that game or not, but the defense was missing like eight people at that point. You had no Peyton Wilson. You had no Drake Thomas. You had no Tanner Ingle, no Aleem McNeil. I'm, if I remember correctly, either Isaiah Moore or uh, who replaced um, Wilson, and who's our guy? I, I cannot remember his name. J- J- Jalen Scott. Scott. One of those guys also got injured in the game. Like, yeah. and it was a running defense, and we still kept it close. 
with you know with pathet- with a with a quarterback who fr- quite frankly quit within what three weeks of this of the year right now and Joe decided that football yeah, this year after- is not for him anymore. So it's yeah. I don't want to hear about this Kentucky game ever again. It was clearly a unique circumstance as far as NC State's concerned. Everything else he said is a hundred percent right. We have sucked nuts. Every chance we have had to promote the program. Now, a couple of those teams we ran into were actually good teams. South Carolina was a good team, yeah. and that game was at least back and forth. Notre Dame. Mississippi State was really Yeah, good. Notre Dame was a good game. The ball game, Mississippi State. That Mississippi State team was much better than, I mean, I think we all recognized as soon as that game started, like, whoa, these guys are different. Um, yeah. And they've got a freaking, they have an NFL, like, elite quarterback that was playing that game. Um, yeah. You know, and ours is now... Um, starting for Miami, though, so I guess I can say the same thing. Um, one of those, so one of the things that we hadn't really talked about is Peyton Wilson going down. Yeah, All right. You mentioned it a second ago. It happened in Kentucky game last year. And what's the impact of, in your mind, of losing Peyton Wilson this year? <sighs> um, and and before you okay. answer that, I'll tell you, and I think. James might have mentioned it in this in the conversation we had with him the other day, James from IPS, where he said, you know, you have to readjust your expectations now that Peyton Wilson is is gone. Like he is that big of an impact player that you are losing, and so now in in James's mind, he said it's such a big loss that I'm going to adjust my expectations down. Are you adjusting your expectations down for losing Peyton Wilson? Okay, let me be careful I say this. Um, <laughs> I don't think losing Peyton Wilson changes a win or loss column, but it changes turnover margin in my mind, sacks on key downs, special teams, block coverage type things. Uh, I mean, uh, field goal block uh, coverage. Um so his athleticism changed marginal things that would help us win games, but I don't mm-hmm. think just losing him means, okay, well, you're going to dock a win off the table now because linebackers are very important, but in in my opinion, in this scheme, as long as Scott is sound, he can at least not be a true liability. He may not make the two or three interceptions that you could probably maybe count on Wilson for. Um, you know, the, the special sacks, probably not. But I'd be more worried losing Ingle or any more of the DBs. I'd be worried about losing defensive linemen. That's that would that would cause me to then say, well, now I gotta admit there's gonna be a gap somewhere at this point. Um, I would also say that if you lose Peyton Wilson and Isaiah Moore or Drake, then it becomes a little more scary um, for the team. Then I'd say yeah, it's fair. I, I agree with that. I I think it's a loss because he does make some plays and he can cover up some. Some gaps. I mean, he's an awesome spy when you put him on a QB and don't let him run, right? I mean, that's he, he does a lot of things really good. I think our depth at linebacker 
is a bit of a reprieve from from having such a huge drop off. I think he it it is a drop off, yeah. right? Jalen Scott to Peyton Wilson is a drop off, but when you have them surrounded by three or four other really good linebackers, then I think that's why I'm not as concerned or I'm not readjusting my expectations. Yeah. So. My, I think the way to look at it too is the problem with the defense for the last two years has been when position groups were wiped out. That happened back-to-back right. years, and that's when it turned into a problem. Losing one person here or one person there has not been the problem. You know, even if it's been yeah. really, really good players. Correct. Number four from Ed from LA. State cannot score in the red zone against good teams. We cannot beat Clemson, Mississippi State, or UNC with field goals or turnovers in the red zone. We also cannot ex- execute trick plays on offense. I always close my eyes and cringe when Doran team tries to execute one. It always looks unrehearsed, poorly practiced, and appears as if the team never prepared properly to execute one successfully. Okay. We always look like a high school chumps when attempting trickery. No more. He's 100% referring to the jump yes. pass. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> I hate jump passes. I'm going to say that right now. Now, I, I can't remember what game I saw it in. Where Maybe it was in the NFL. I could be wrong. Where the quarterback faked run. It The quarterback faked run and did a jump pass. Okay. At least that yeah. guy throws the ball for a living, okay? That's <laughs> my issue with this. Yeah. Um, don't do it against a superior, not a superior opponent, but an equivalent opponent. Do it against Wake, okay, I get it. You guys can body, you, you have less fear of getting a body caught up in the swell. But I will say this, right? Uh, UVA game last year, they did a trick play to um, Carrie Angeline that got a touchdown. Mm-hmm. They've had trick plays to Trent Penix, who... As I've said, I think it's just a gadget player. Um, they have had trick plays to Thayer Thomas. Uh, like, I don't agree that we are bad on trick plays. We are bad on um, extremely high-risk trick plays, is maybe the way I would <laughs> phrase it. And um, you, I, I think you texted me this last week. It was <laughs> at the beginning of the game. Yeah, it might have been somebody else, but I think it was you, and it said... If Tim Beck was a real man, he would have come out and thrown a jump pass from the 50-yard line the first play no. of the game whenever we got that ball against No, Ferns. that that was, <laughs> was not like, me, yeah. but I don't disagree. Like, that's the thing is, like, do <laughs> it when no one could possibly expect it. I mean, uh, yeah. that's the pro- my problem with the jump pass is it's been seen too often, and if it is something that you have done the year before, I would say maybe you want to wait every, like, four years to pull that out. It's kind of like we saw it fail against... Yeah. Duke and UNC, if they had freaking not called that stupid jump pass, Mac Brown doesn't even go to a bowl game that year. Like, yeah. there's... I don't believe in the gaslighting dunk special teams play, or special play. <laughs> I'd rather... You know, worst case scenario, I would have rather had three points there. I mean, it, it's just... I'm sure Tim Beck is hitting... You know, just killing himself over it. I'm sure he's never going to do it again. I am sure... Dave Doran will never let him do it again. And I say that now, yeah. and I guarantee in the first red zone attempt, we are going to do it in this game. And they're going to say, it worked in practice all week. Number five from Ed from LA. Doran has no signature wins. He will not get one tomorrow either. Oh Bottom line, I just can't watch. I have my 22nd wedding anniversary tomorrow, 
and don't want to be angry, frustrated, depressed after another state humiliation <laughs> on national TV. I know how this movie ends. Clemson 37, NC State 13. First of all, happy anniversary. Yeah, congratulations. Ed from LA. Second of all, why did you get married in the fall? You should know better. Wow. You don't get married in the fall. Evan wasn't. Springs are for weddings, Let's, not fall. We, we need to go back. Someone needs to look at the schedule 22 years ago. <laughs> And tell us what game was on that week. Because either he uh, secured it during a cupcake game, um, or or Ed isn't a true fan. You know, he lost his negotiating power. We are pulling this. We are pulling this yeah. up. Now I've got to know this. Um, while you're pulling that up, um, yeah, this would obviously be the signature win. He, it, it's funny that Dave could have had. You know, if he wins this game. If everything had gone right, he could have had three signature wins already against Clemson, which would. Don't don't you think if he had done that one year or two years in a row in that run, like he'd be like god tier status here. Right. You know what I mean? So it's it's funny how how different the perception of Dave could have been basically due to a kicker and uh Dave Huxtable's defense letting multiple backbreaking plays happen. Um Yeah. But, you know, the Lamar Jackson game is still a signature in my mind. I, I am still of the opinion that NC State tends to demoralize more teams than we give them credit for. I have seen us break Florida State that season. I have seen us break Lamar Jackson in the Cardinals. Um, we uh, came in with a underwhelming odds against us or overwhelming odds against us against UNC the year he saved his job and broke them. I think they lost the follow-up game in the bowl. So it's... He, the the problem is, is like we we threw around that stat in the James pod about the one in twenty two, and if you look at it, the majority of those games were in the first three or four seasons, and then his opportunities for beating a oh. greater than five hundred team was either one or two each season, and when you factor in that of those, one of them was always Clemson. Sorry, Will. What's up? <laughs> Sorry about that, Will. Oh, uh, gosh. I don't know where he was going with that. Let's see if he can come back in. It's good podcast audio here. While we're waiting for Will, I looked it up. Ed from LA. Looks like he got married during the Wake Forest game in 1999. 31-7 loss. So I don't blame Ed for being missing this game. Sorry about that. Am I back? Did you hang me up? If something popped up and I hit an exit and you were gone. So that was definitely. Wow. Where was I in the rant? Because man, I was going something about being one in 22. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, what I was saying was, (laughs) geez, that was like two minutes of me going. Uh, When we were talking about being one in 22, uh, the key, I think to analyzing that information is a majority of those losses were in the first three or four years. There was like several years of 0-4, right? right? And then the remainder of those opportunities, it was either he had one or two teams that season that would qualify as greater than 500. And during that run, that was the Clemson run in the playoffs. So you know they were one of the teams each time. And then I don't know who the others were, Notre Dame or whatever, right? So he's had these he's had very limited opportunities for what fans might call signature wins 
that he had early on. He had more of those early on. So I think what's I think what's killing him is that early tenure where he was very close to getting fired. We've all acknowledged that, right? Yeah. Is all those opportunities against perceived good teams he missed out on. Now, maybe he right. would have knocked them out of 500 and then we would lose the stat. But, you know, my point is he's only had an opportunity against Clemson and like one team a year to even earn this recognition. So it's not like he's been going 0-4 every year against good teams. It's just that he's missed his shot. And most of the time, those have been probably relatively elite teams. And what I would say is... I have a lot more faith in this team this year to pull those wins off than I did in those others because we've talked about the depth and all kinds of things this offseason. I'm not going to rehash it, but I guess I'm not surprised he had a terrible record given where the team was, where he came in, and then his limited opportunities to get us over the hump. And, you know, two of those years were COVID and uh, the 2019 debacle. So while you were coming back in, I had found out that I guess Ed got married in 1999 during Wake Forest weekend. We were at Wake Forest at least and we got schlocked. So. Wow. So is that where the curse started? <laughs> it, might, it, might, it might be all Ed's fault. Yeah. If it was in year 2000, it was a bye week. So we'll see. I think it was 1999. We'd make it 22 years. Yeah. And that was it. That was the last one. So let's let's wrap this up with what do you think happens this weekend? Um, you know, it's funny. A, a lot, every, it's like everything I listened to this week, everyone's like saying this is going to be a knock, you know, a knuckle dragger of a fight kind of thing. Yeah. You know, first I was, it's funny. I was going to text you earlier in the week and I was going to say first to 17 probably wins this game. Right. And then I think it was either the interview you were doing or someone else. That was like literally the words they said. It's like, God dang it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the more I have thought about it and the more I keep going back and thinking about that Mississippi state game and the missed opportunities to score and the fact that this is at home, um, I think this is going to be a shocking win for NC state. And I'm kind I, I don't know why I'm like circling it at like, I don't know. 24 10 31 yeah. 17 like something weird um i think i just think this is the year it has to be the year and i hate to say that but this is the year <laughs> and I, I i won't ever be able to talk myself into this probably again um this this clemson team is exactly where you want them to be i just want to see us take that for what do they call it four-dimensional chess or whatever you know yeah the game within the game within the game. And I want them to say, hey, there's no reason we can't do what Ohio State just did. Right. You know, there's no reason we can't just bull rush this offensive line. And, you know, I, I just want to see them put Clemson back on their heels. Maybe Clemson will come out and everything clicks and we, you know, oh, NC State shit. But I don't know, man. I'm going to be down in that damn tunnel. I got a feeling I got to be the, <laughs> the key to success down there. <laughs> If we win, Daisy should have you back every weekend. He better get on his little mascot, run out of tunnel. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I will tell Buzzy that immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Troy Smith in the chat says, "I think we either win big like 2011, or we lay an absolute egg, and Dave ends up being on the hot seat." He's already on the hot seat, so uh, yeah. I I think it's funny though. I said we go ten and two. 
I had this game circled as probably an auto loss. So, but it, again, right? You're seeing the conference is so. I don't know. Maybe it's parity or what, or maybe all the super seniors are actually having a factor in this conference. But this is your chance to take the lead and prove why you are a great coach. This is a very important to Dave from a from probably his personal goals perspective. If he ever wants to get out of here and get a great job, he needs to win this game. If he wants people off his back, he has to win this game. Like it's, yeah, it's so critical. It's a, it's an, he's probably internally on his own hot seat, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Grayson said, how, how do we look like we didn't even belong on the same field as Mississippi state? Oh, we can't talk about that. Grayson, come on. You got <laughs> to down gotta, that road again. I think it's yeah, an aberration. Go listen an hour earlier. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> what I think I, I didn't. I'm not sure I got your opinion. Did you listen to the Joe Gillios thing he put out the other day on Twitter? No, because I don't have a Facebook account anymore, and I couldn't figure out how to get around it. Do you have the? Um, you don't have the audio, do you? I don't have it in here. Um, it was on, it was on Twitter. You could listen to it, but essentially he said Dave Dorn's a bully, and I thought that was it was an interesting because it, it lined up very much with what we were talking about with James Henderson. In that he bullies around the big teams or the, the the smaller teams, and he has he's dominated them. But when somebody steps up and you know pushes back, it doesn't fare well. And that is kind of where the one in twenty two stat came from. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like, do you have the one in twenty two document up? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I have it nearby. I can get it. Well, because what I'm saying is he didn't have a team. To really do it. And now that he's got the team to do it, like, yeah, I agree. Like, we have said all offseason that the 2017 team was a bit of a mirage. The 2018 team was a big mirage. Yeah. And that it didn't have depth behind it to actually stand up and fight in those in those, in those games. So, I don't disagree with it. He does what he should do, which is beat the crap out of the teams that are below you. And, you know, the weight game, you know, in 2018 or whatever out coached in those final yeah. moments, right? There's been out coaching moments. But typically, I mean, he's just gotten his doors beat in by really good teams. And you know, that's the thing is like when you're when you're out of school for seven, eight, nine, ten, however many years, right? All the data points start collecting that say that anyone can go to and say, this is why you're bad. And then right. There's only going to be a few in that period, usually, unless you're like Clemson or Alabama or someone like that, that you're going to be able to go back to and say, look at this amazing thing here. Because, like, I guarantee you at the time when we beat Lamar Jackson, everyone was losing their damn minds. And it was a great accomplishment. And now people look back on it and they're like, well, yeah, but look how bad that Louisville team ended up being. Well, they still had fucking <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, maybe we... Still- yeah, we showed. The, look, I'm telling you, man. We showed the game plan on how to beat them. Like we are really good against mobile quarterbacks. And that Louisville team was a fraud. We I don't care that. if they were a fraud. Lamar Jackson <laughs> isn't a fraud. And yeah. like college Lamar was amazing. He is a walking, talking cheat code. And yeah. that's more of a sign. You know, again, that's why you don't hire Bobby Petrino for long. Because by a year three or four, everything catches up with him. But he's freaking great in those first couple years. Yeah, and you know, I I just think that there's I you know I don't I I don't like Joe Giglio right now. I just <laughs> he just he just wears me out. <laughs> Crowd likes that one. 
All right, that's it. I think Pax winning. I've been saying it for a long time. I cannot go back on it now, despite my feelings. Pax gonna win twenty four seventeen. I don't do score predictions often, but that one's gonna happen. So, yeah. Hopefully, Will's gonna be there. Y'all holler at us. Find him. He'll be on the field. He'll be the guy standing by the tunnel. Wave to him. Say, I will. I will. Everybody, I want everybody to wave at you. Why aren't you wearing your red shirt, Will? That's what they're going to be yelling, because I'm pretty sure I'm wearing my black. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's right, man. I'm power color, man. I'm here to I'm here to really show the team how it's done. The uniform colors are white, red, and red this year, or this week. Uh, I don't white care. White and red. <laughs> I don't care. Will's going, Will wants a blackout. Too, I'm too fat in my red shirt, so either I have to go buy a new shirt before the game, or I'm wearing my black shirt. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Will will be there. I will be there eventually, before kickoff, certainly. But as always, thanks for listening. Go Pack, beat Clemson. <laughs> Let's have some fun this weekend because I am tired of being <laughs> beaten down by this football team. So, yes, let's go. Yeah, give us that taste. I was raised by the waves.